Good eventide. It's three funny ladies. Happy Hanukkah. The hi, it's three funny ladies. Like she said, that is Susan J. Cokes. That's Joe Bailey. We should really practice that sometimes. Uh, and, yes, and also, I was thinking the other day because we don't ever hear it. Um, I just do also want to give another shout out to our wonderful theme musician Jeremy St. Martin. That's right. Uh, who created our lovely intro music? That's right. Um, but we just never hear it, so I don't think about it often. No, we don't. How are you? I am fine. How are you? You know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We only have three more Sundays until Christmas. So what I need you to do is shut your whore mouth about it. (laughs) Christmas is not my jam, but I'm here and I have to participate. So we're going to do, we're going to do that. Yeah. Three. Really? Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's how months work, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's happening. Yeah, that is something that is happening. Anything else happening? Yeah, there's actually a lot of things to talk about today. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh well, let's get into it. So first of all, I wanted to share with you tvline.com, which is probably, not probably, is one of my favorite websites to go to, um, has just released their 20 best programs of 2021. Okay. And there's just some highlights on here. Well, number 20 is Yellow Jackets, which I know BJP is very enthusiastic about watching. I have been thinking about watching it and haven't pulled the trigger yet. Yeah. Because I'm weird. weird. We haven't either. Uh, But number 19 is The White Lotus. Okay. Which we talked about. Yeah. Um, And then uh, We Are Lady Parts, which I've not watched. Yeah. But it sounds like it would be up our alley. Number 11 is Ted Lasso. Oh, I love that show. Um, number seven is something called Starstruck that I've never heard of, but it sounds very interesting. It's a New Zealand Oh, thing. okay. Okay. And number six is Only Murders in the Building, which I have not yet watched. Mm, I love it. Number five is Low Key. Is that how you say that? Low Key. It, it's not low key like I low key. It's not like slang it's not like children's slang it's i just never i always pause is it low-key or (laughs) low-key it's low-key number four is reservation dogs which friend of the podcast joel will be very happy about he loves that show okay number three is the other two which i haven't watched the second season yet i have not watched anything anything about it you need to because it's so great um and then number two is hacks okay yes yes and then number one is Mayor of Easton, but I didn't watch that either. Mayor of Easton. And then they just released their top 10 worst shows today, and the morning Ooh. show was on that list. Really? Did you yeah. watch it? I haven't watched the second season yet. It just uh, finaled up last week. So okay. we tend to watch them once they're already through their cycle. Sure. Their cycle, their female cycle. Yep. So yeah. then we're so we're not cycled up. Right. You don't want to sync up. Um, the other thing that is important to mention is that ABC is doing another round of live in front of a studio audience <gasps> next yes! week. 
a Tuesday, which will be on the day after this episode drops. And they're doing Different Strokes and Facts of Life. And so announced the cast of the Facts of Life. So exciting. I don't quite know how it's going to work. Yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued, confused, titillated. Yes. All of those all, things. All of the above. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston as Blair. Which come on. Perfect. Catherine Hahn as Joe. <laughs> Gabrielle Union <laughs> as Tootie. And nice. Alison Tolman as Natalie. Perfect all the way around. And then Ann Dowd as Mrs. Garrett. Um, so I'm super excited. I have loved the past live in front of studio audiences that they have done. This is the third one. I have and not watched any of them and I'm always shocked by like, they just all of a sudden happen. And I would think that there would be like more hype and more to do. And it'll be like one morning you just wake up and it's like, Oh, this live before studio audience thing happened. And you're like, what? Huh? Yeah, I really loved them both times. They did. The first one was All in the Family and the Jeffersons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then All in the Family and Good Times. And now it's Facts of Life, Different Strokes. Now, what show would you want to see them do? Oh, that's good. You know what would really be fun would be either Laverne and Shirley. Oh, Oh, speaking of. What? Um, he just died today. Who did? Um, um uh, Laverne, no, Shirley's boyfriend. Oh, Eddie Mecca? Yeah, he died today. Oh my God, I didn't even hear it. The big ragu. Yeah, he died, yeah. Oh. I know, so it's it's just weird that you mentioned That it. is, I didn't even know it. Um, But I think that would be fun, or Three's Company, I think, would be fun too. Oh my God, Three's Company. Now. Who would you put in it? I don't know. That's hard because it's really, it would be really hard to replace John Ritter. Right. Um, and that's probably why they won't do it. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. But it's funny because um, I often think when I watch, because, you know, I'm in a Three's Company kick again. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Knotts is one of the best replacements on series oh, yeah. television. Yeah, for sure. And I love when that happens, like in Cheers, when mm-hmm. you, then they had two. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson, so great. And then Kirstie Alley, who was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs now. But, but back so then we didn't know that. Didn't. And she was so fucking great on Cheers. Yeah. And so different from Shelley Long. Yeah. So I love when that happens, when they re- replace big stars and it just works out so seamlessly. So that's nice. Annie Live is tonight. Mm-hmm. Are you going to watch? Oh, hell yes. Um, I can't, so. I know. Although I, I am recording wait. it, so you could come over if you really wanted mm. to see it at some I mean, point. I don't know. No, I don't know about that, but okay. we'll see. I'm Like I said before, I'm very excited for the casting. The little girl looks so uh, just darling. She does. Um, I have Nicole Serginger. Uh, um, uh, not regrets. Nope. <laughs> I mean, yes. What is the word I'm looking for? Fatigue. I'm tired of it. Thank you. I have fatigue from her. I have some major fatigue from her. Um, and Harry Connick Jr. looks really fucking creepy with a bald head. Yeah. Kind of wigs me out. But I'm excited. I'm excited for the other casting. So 
but Annie is not my favorite to begin with. I think it will probably, I mean, I guess I don't know this, but it might show up on the super secret also. Mm-hmm. So we shall see that possibility. Um, you know what I started watching today is hmm. Paris Hilton's um, not because Par- I saw the documentary, the docu series, the love one Paris and love. Yes. I have you watched have it. Not yet. No. Oh my God. I know. Do you love it? I do love it. Kathy is very heavily featured. Excellent. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. I think it's still is releasing episodes, right? Yes. Yeah. There's, so. yeah, there are only, and I forgot that because I'm so used to watching stuff, you know, just watching it all the way through. Yeah. And there's only three episodes so far and it stopped and I was like, oh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, I just read today that Kathy Hilton is uh, interested in returning to the Real House Housewives of Beverly Hills, but she is asking for $2 million per episode. Kathy. I know. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you. I mean, she knows that she is the best thing about that show right now. She knows Absolutely. It. She knows so, it. I hope... Andy coughs up the coughs up the dough. Oh, please, that that piece of human garbage. Well, I hope he does too. Uh, we'll see. He he'll probably be mad at her for thinking she's too big for her britches. Probably. But it's Kathy fucking Hilton. I mean, she makes exactly. the show now. She exactly. Makes the show now. So, and I didn't realize Paris just got married like last week or two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, I love the pictures of her and Nicole Richie together again. Mm. Because, you know, it was touch and go there for a while. It was. It really was. But they seem to have surmounted that. Her and Kim Kardashian together. Who is now dating Pete Davidson. How does he oh score God. so well? Oh, my God. So, I I don't know. I feel like, you know, funny goes a really long way. It really, really does. And I guess. Now, listen, I don't get it. I'm not defending. I don't get it. But, obviously... He has an abundance of charm because he literally can have anyone he wants. It seems like really Uh, Betty White was trending there for a little while. And usually people get very scared that she has passed. And now people are like, no, she is not dating Pete Davidson. (laughs) Everyone it's okay. Funny goes a long way. He's probably very charming and a lot of bit broken, which certain ladies just love. Very broken. He is probably also very complimentary and not in a smarmy, weird way, but in a totally, um, oh my God, I can't think of words, genuine way. I myself am falling in love with him right now, describing <laughs> the things he is. Excuse me, I have to go find Pete Davidson. Um, so yeah, I don't get it though. And you know, he's a lot less weird looking when he has his natural color hair. I was telling Pete the other day that his bleached out hair makes him look insane. Yeah, I have insane. That. And you know, not to be too crass, but he must have a huge dick. I've actually heard that. He must. Yeah. But see, that means he's crazy. The crazy ones have big dicks. <laughs> and I know this to be true. Ginormous, like so big, they don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> and they don't know what to do with them. So, you know, I, but like, let's at the list. So it's, it's the girl from Bridgerton. I can't remember her name. Kim Kardashian. Who else? Ariana Grande. 
Ariana Grande. Oh yeah. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. What the weird. fuck? So weird. There's another one in there. Yeah, it's Plus, it's weird. He's 28 years old. That's so crazy that he's still in his fucking 20s. Right, because Paris Hilton is 40. 40. And Britney Spears turned 40 today. Not okay. And oh, what was I reading about? Toby Maguire. Now, I I I got to apologize to myself because when I saw this the other day, I was flabbergasted and i was like oh my god he's so old i am older than him toby mcguire is 46 wow andrew garfield is 38 okay these things don't make sense is Um, that old to you like you feel like he should be younger i feel like andrew garfield's in his 20s okay i feel like toby mcguire now when i sit down and i think about it and i go okay we're the same age obviously but uh, it's it it blows my mind. I just can't wrap my head around some of these things. Uh, now, how do you feel about this? Sony saying there's another Spider-Man trilogy coming. Um, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. But what Sony needs to do, and listen, you can rest for a while because you don't give a shit. Um, what Sony needs to do is give full. Just give it to just give it to Disney. You guys, listen. You need to. I can't. You don't know how to do this. You, ju- you just don't. You need Disney's help. Please give them control. Just give them the rights 100%. Um, for those of you who don't know, or those of you who don't care who I'm going to bore for the next minute or so, um, Disney does not actually own the rights to Spider-Man. Sony does, but Sony and Disney have worked out a deal where, where um, Spider-Man is part of the MCU, but he is on loan. Also, um, I think it's Sony owns the Hulk. So you will never see a standalone Hulk movie released by Disney. The Hulk can only be in MCU movies if he is with other people. So movies like Thor Ragnarok are considered his standalone MCU movie because he's never going to have a standalone MCU movie because the rights to him as a singular character are owned by Sony. A lot of weird contract stuff that I just don't even understand, but I'm very excited. I'm very excited that Tom Holland um, has also is also officially going to be in those movies. Um, I think there needs to be three more movies because I think the movie that's about to come out is just going to tear the MCU asunder in ways that we are not prepared for. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and so they'll need more movies to fix that. So I'm very excited. Um, I've been watching Hawkeye. Uh, love it. I kind of love Jeremy Renner now, and I kind of oh. love Hawkeye now. Wow, I know, I know. Listen, it is the character development that every MCU fan has been waiting for for this character because in all of the movies he's been in, he has been in a total of 58 minutes in all of the Avenger movies. Wow, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. You don't care, but thank you for indulging me <laughs> for so long. Um, what else? Anything else? I feel like there's a lot to unpack today. There is a lot to unpack, so we should probably get to it. Huh? Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Do it. Okay. Today we are talking about Lucille Desiree. Oh. I know, right? Ball. Wow. That and it just that just doesn't wrap your mind around that. Um, she was born in Jamestown, New York. She is the daughter of Henry Durrell Ball, 
a lineman for Bell Telephone and hmm. Desiree D.D. Evelyn Ball. Uh, her family belonged to the Baptist Church. Her ancestors were mostly English. Um, let me see. Her father worked at uh, for Bell Telephone, which frequently transferred him and his family to new locations during Lucy's childhood. The family moved from uh, Jamestown, where Lucy was born, to... <clears throat> anaconda montana and then later to try right later to trenton new jersey in february 1915 while living in wyandotte michigan which i did not know i I had no idea uh lucy's father died of typhoid fever at the age of 27 27 and he was a father that she was three years old holy shit that makes then a 24-year-old is a child having a baby and <laughs> baby having crazy. a baby. That is crazy. At the time of Henry's death, Dee Dee Ball was pregnant with her second child, Fred Henry Ball. Uh, Ball recalled little from the day her father died except a bird getting trapped in the house, which caused her a lifelong fear of birds. Oh, well, that's fair. I hate right? birds. Um, I don't mind birds. I know what? You can't trust them. They're shifty. They're shifty, are they? Yeah. They're always, they always want something from you, those birds. <laughs> um, there used to be, side note, there used to be uh, these um, geese at Somerset Collection where I worked mm. for a time. And um, they like to attack people, but they were racist because they only attacked the employees of color. So <laughs> if wow. you were. <laughs> And it seemed like they only did the employees, like they didn't customers, but like employees, like when we would close up and leave at the end of the night, my one, my one employee, Anthony was like, the birds are going to get me. The birds hate me. (laughs) The birds are going to get me because he lived across the street. So we had to walk out of show and the geese would attack him every time. Racist birds. That's weird. Geese are terrible. Geese are terrible. And they're they're just just so mean. They're just mean. Well, they're fucking racist. Now, how does a bird become racist not cool geese not cool man your households come on ball's mother returned to new york where her maternal grandparents helped raise her and her brother fred four years after henry ball's death Dee married edward peterson while her mother and stepfather looked for work in another city peterson's parents cared for her brother and her ball's step-grandparents were Swedish couple who banished all mirrors from the house except one over the bathroom sink. When the young ball was caught admiring herself in it, she was severely uh, chastised for being vain. This period of time affected ball so deeply that later in life, she said that it lasted seven or eight years. Uh, when Ball was 12, her stepfather encouraged her to audition for a Shriners organization that was in need of entertainers for the chorus line of their next show. While Ball was on stage, she realized performing was a great way to gain praise. I almost said gain weight, which doesn't make (laughs) sense. And and then this is why, because my eyes darted to and her appetite (laughs) for recognition was awakened. Uh, During this time in 1927, her family was forced to relocate into a small apartment in Jamestown after they suffered a misfortune when their house and furnishings were sold to settle a financial legal uh, judgment. 
Goodness. A neighborhood boy was accidentally shot and paralyzed by someone target shooting in their yard under the supervision of Ball's grandfather. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, in 1925, Ball, then only 14, started dating Johnny DeVita, a 21-year-old local hoodlum. Okay, well, that, so that's illegal and weird and gross. <laughs> um, her mother wasn't happy with the relationship, you think? You think Desiree maybe wasn't so happy about it? 14 and 21, and his name's Johnny DeVita. Of course he's yeah, trouble. On. Jesus, I mean, come on. It's like Johnny, Johnny the Nooch DeVita. <laughs> He probably raises geese to attack people <laughs> of color, of color. Fucking Johnny DeVita, you <laughs> pedophile. She was unhappy with the relationship and hoped the romance was uh, and hoped the romance she was unable to influence would burn out. After about a year, her mother tried to separate them from exploiting uh, by exploiting Ball's desire to be in show business. Oh, mom, you sly fox. <laughs> Despite the family's meager finances in 1926, she enrolled Ball in the John Murray Anderson School for the Dramatic Arts in New York City, uh, where Bette Davis was a fellow student. Betty Davis, I called her Bette. Ooh, she'd probably be so mad. Take that, you horrible person I think you were. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Ball later said uh, about that time in her life, all I learned in drama school was how to be frightened. Oh, of Betty Davis, see? She was a terrible probably. person. Probably a fucking bully. Um, <laughs> Ball's instructors felt she would not be successful in the entertainment business and were unafraid to directly state this to her. Listen, that hasn't fucking changed, okay? Uh, in the face of harsh criticism, Ball was determined to prove her teachers wrong and returned to New York City in 1928. That same year, she began working for Hattie Carnegie as an in-house model carnegie ordered ball to bleach her uh, brown hair blonde and she complied of this time in her life ball said hattie taught me how to slouch properly in a one thousand dollar hand-sewn sequin dress and how to wear a forty thousand sable coat as casually as rabbit her acting forays were still in an early stage when she became ill with rheumatic fever and was unable to work for two years. Goodness, a Get life filled with incident. <laughs> I mean, my God, typhoid fever, rheumatic fever. They're just lousy with the fevers over there. <laughs> and then it just skips. And here we go. In 1940, Ball met Cuban-born band leader Desi Arnaz while filming the Rogers and Hart stage hit Too Many Girls. When they met again on the second day, the two connected immediately and eloped the same year. Wow. Although Arnaz was drafted into the Army in 1942, he ended up being classified for limited service due to a knee injury. As a result, Arnaz stayed in Los Angeles organizing and performing USO shows for wounded GIs being brought back from the Pacific. Ball filed for divorce in 1944. However, Arnaz and she reconciled, which precluded the entry of a final decree. On July 17th, that's my birthday, 1951, one month before her 40th birthday, Ball gave birth to daughter uh, Lucy Desiree Arnaz. And a year and a half later, Ball gave birth to her second child, Desiderio Alberto Arnaz. I don't know why my printer does this, but if it's not black, it basically um, doesn't print it. So it's very hard to read. Oh, weird. Uh, Known as Desi Arnaz Jr. Before he was born, I Love Lucy was a solid ratings hit and Ball and Arnaz wrote the pregnancy into the show. Ball's necessary and planned 
cesarean section in real life was scheduled for the same date as her television character gave birth. Several demands were made by CBS insisting that a pregnant woman could not be shown on television, nor could the use the word pregnant be spoken on air. What? I'm, I don't, what? That's crazy and insane. It is so crazy. Um, and insane. Don't forget insane. You know and I mean? insane. <laughs> they both mean the same thing, you <laughs> idiot. After approval from several religious figures. Jesus Christ. The, such as Jesus Christ. The network allowed the pregnancy storyline. But insisted that the word expecting be used instead of pregnant. Uh Ernest Gahernard laughs when he deliberately mispronounced it, mispronounced it as Spectin. <laughs> the episode's official title was uh oh, I can't say this word. Lucy is enciante. I sure. think it's French. So then you wouldn't say it that way, like I, I just said it. I think that sounds right. Borrowing the French word for pregnant. However, episode titles never appeared on the show. Oh, okay. The episode aired on the evening of January 19th, 1953, with 44 million viewers watching Lucy Ricardo welcome little Ricky. While in real life, Ball delivered her second child, Desi Jr., that same day. The birth made the cover of the first issue of TV Guide. Exciting. That's crazy, right? So many firsts. So many firsts. In October 1956, Ball, Arnaz, Vance, and William Frawley all appeared on the Bob Hope special on ABC, including a spoof of I Love Lucy, the only time all four stars were together on a color telecast. Oh. By the end of the 1950s, Desilu had become a large company, uh, causing a great deal of stress for both Ball and Arnaz. I'm going to assume that's their production company, which isn't mentioned anywhere else in here. On March 3rd, 1960, a day after Desi's 43rd birthday, and one day after the filming of the final episode of the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour, Ball filed papers in Santa Monica Superior Court, claiming married life with Desi was a nightmare. And nothing as it appeared on I Love Lucy. On May 4th, 1960, the couple divorced. However, until his death in 1986, Arnaz and Ball remained friends and often spoke very fondly of each other. Uh, her real life divorce ind- directly found its way into her television series as she was always cast as an unmarried woman, each time a widow. The following year, Ball starred in the Broadway musical A Wildcat, which co starred Keith uh, Andres and Paula Stewart. And it marked the beginning of a 30 year friendship with Stewart, who introduced Ball to second husband, Gary Morton, a Borscht Belt comic who was 13 years her junior. Ooh, you makes. Oh. According to Ball, Morton claimed he had never seen an episode of I Love Lucy due to his hectic work schedule. She immediately installed Morton in her uh, production company, teaching him the television business and eventually promoting him to producer. He also played occasional bit parts on her various series. Uh, Ball was outspoken against her relationship uh, her son had with actress Patty Duke. Later, commenting on when her son dated Liza Minnelli, Ooh, uh, she quoted as saying, I miss Liza, but you cannot domesticate Liza. And also, if he was not gay, Liza didn't want anything to do with him. So there's that. <laughs> On April 18th, 1989, Ball complained of chest pain at her home in Beverly Hills and was taken to Cedar Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, where she was diagnosed with a, a dissecting aortic aneurysm and underwent surgery to repair her aorta and a seven successful seven hour aortic valve replacement 
Shortly after dawn on April 26th, Bala woke with severe back pain and then lost consciousness. She died at 5.47 a.m. at the age of 77. Doctors determined that Bala had succumbed to a ruptured uh, abdominal aortic aneurysm not directly related to her surgery. In accordance with Ball's wishes, her body was cremated and the ashes were initially interred at the Forest Lawn Hollywood Hill Cemetery in Los Angeles. In 2002, her children moved her remains to the Hunt family plot in Lakeview Cemetery in Jamestown, New York, where her parents and grandparents were buried. Her brother's remains were also interred there in 2007. Ball was the recipient of tributes, honors, and many prestigious awards throughout her career. And posthumously, on February 8th, 1960, she was given two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And on December 7th, 1986, Ball received recognition as a Kennedy Center Honors recipient. The portion of the honors uh, event focused on Ball was particularly poignant and Stasi Arnaz, who was scheduled to introduce Lucy at the event, had died from cancer just five days earlier. Oh. Friend and former Desilu star Robert Stack delivered the emotional introduction in place of Arnaz. Posthumously, Ball received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President George H.W. Bush on July 6, 1989, and the Women's International Center's Living Legacy Award. And so that is her personal information. So much. She lived a full life. A full life, honey. I'm really just going to talk about I Love Lucy because there is a lot to discuss a lot to unpack and really she didn't really do a lot of movies at all right sure um so i love lucy is a sitcom did you know that what it's a a what it aired on cbs from october 15th 1951 to may 6th 1957 with a total of 180 half hour episodes And after that run, it transitioned into 13 one-hour specials that ran from 1957 to 1960. It was first known as the Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz Show, and then later in reruns as the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour. It, of course, told the story of Lucy Ricardo and her husband, Ricky Ricardo, and their best friends and landlords, Ethel and Fred Mertz. And, of course, Lucy's antics of trying to break into showbiz at any cost. Mm-hmm. The show, which was uh, one, which was the first scripted television program to be shot on 35mm film in front of a live studio audience, won only five Emmy Awards, which is wow. crazy to me. I know. And it received new, numerous nominations and honors, but still it's weird to me. We'll discuss that in a minute. It was the first show to feature an ensemble cast. Um, And in 2012, it was voted the best TV show of all time in a survey conducted by ABC News and People magazine. Before and during World War II, Lucille Ball made several notable and successful guest appearances on several radio programs. And these appearances brought her to the attention of CBS, which in 1948 enlisted her to star in one of two new half-hour sitcoms in development. So she had her choice. She could either do Our Miss Brooks or My Favorite Husband. So she chose the latter. And then, of course, side note, Our Miss Brooks went to Eve Arden. And uh, choosing the latter, she originally uh, was portraying a character named Liz Cougat, 
uh, which was later anglicized to Cooper because Cougat sounds too foreign. Sure. Uh, She was a frustrated, scheming housewife of a Minneapolis banker, played originally by Lee Bowman in the pilot and then later uh, by Richard Denning. My Favorite Husband was produced by Jess Oppenheimer and written by Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh, and Bob Carroll Jr. It premiered on July 23rd, 1948. It was sponsored by General Foods. And it became a big hit for CBS. Now, this was a radio show. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, uh, okay. But yeah, My Favorite Husband was a radio show. Gotcha. A radio sitcom. So during the run of the program, she appeared in two feature films with Bob Hope, Sorrowful Jones, and Fancy Pants. And both of them were big box office hits and critical successes as well, which further cemented her reputation as a top-notch first-rate comedian. And they also highlighted her growing popularity with audiences, which enticed CBS to keep her in their talent pool. Okay. So in 1950, they asked her to take My Favorite Husband to television from the radio. Now, at the time, she saw television as a great opportunity to work with Desi Arnaz. And so she insisted that they retool the show and hire him as her husband. Now, this was much to the dismay of the executives at CBS because they were reluctant to cast Desi Arnaz as her husband. Why? Because he was Cuban. Sure. They did not think that audiences would believe a marriage between an all-American girl and a Latin man. They wouldn't believe a marriage that was currently happening. Exactly. Okay, got it. We don't believe your marriage, although it is a marriage. We don't believe the marriage that you're having, marriage. (laughs) So to prove that they would and could work together, uh, Lucy and Desi uh, developed a vaudeville act, uh, which was written by Bob Carroll and uh, Madeline Pugh. And they performed it at the Ritz Theater in New York with Desi Arnaz's orchestra. And they were a hit. Of course. And they and this convinced CBS executives that a Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz pairing would be worthwhile. So at the time of this vaudeville act, that was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. The rival networks, NBC, ABC, and Dumont were also sniffing around Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And this also prompted CBS to sign them immediately. So a pilot was ordered in March, 1951. And it, uh, this was around the same time that my favorite husband aired his last radio show. And so Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz decided to use the same producing and writing team from that show for their show. And they decided to call it, I love Lucy. The couple's agent, uh, Don Sharp, uh, brought the pilot to several advertising agencies. And finally, uh, the cigarette giant, Philip Morris, decided to sponsor the show. There, I have a lot of information here, so just settle in. All right. Two problems arose after Philip Morris signed on to sponsor the show that would ultimately change the fate of I Love Lucy. Wow. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz had originally decided, now this is also interesting to me, had originally decided that the series would air on a bi-weekly basis. Isn't that weird? Every two weeks. Yeah, that is weird. 
Philip Morris, however, was insistent that the show air weekly, thus diminishing the possibility of Lucille Ball continuing her film career alongside the constraints of the TV show. Oh, I see. Okay. Another problem lay in the fact that Philip Morris wanted the series to originate from New York rather than Hollywood. At that time, most TV shows were produced in New York with live broadcasts of the show, and those aired for Eastern and Midwest audiences. And then the West Coast viewers were able to view a recording of the live program, but only through low-quality kinescopes, which were derived by someone filming the show uh, from a TV monitor. Oh, ew. I know. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. So they decided, uh, because Lucille Ball, as you had mentioned, was pregnant with Lucy at the time of this was all happening, they really wanted to stay in Hollywood. So they decided that they would film it in Hollywood. Uh, They would set it in New York. And so both CBS and Philip Morris initially balked at the idea of them filming in Hollywood. So Lucy and Desi both agreed to a $1,000 a week pay cut in order to cover the additional expenses. Okay. In exchange, they both demanded and were given 80% ownership in the I Love Lucy films. They were considering <laughs> them films. Right. Okay. Shooting the show on film, however, would require that Ball and Arnez uh, would become responsible for producing the series themselves. Union agreements at the time stipulated that any production filmed in a studio use film studio employees. So this is a difference not between now and them. CBS staff were television and radio employees and thus fell under different union agreements. So therefore, Desi Arnaz reorganized the company he created to manage his orchestra bookings and used it as the corporation that would produce I Love Lucy. The company was named Desilu, which of course was a combination of both their first names, Desi and Lucille. Though some TV series were already being filmed in Hollywood, most used the single camera format familiar from movies. And then they would add a laugh track afterwards. But Lucy really wanted to work in front of a live audience to create the kind of comic energy that she had displayed on her radio show. So the idea of a film studio that could accommodate an audience was a new one at the time. But fire safety regulations made it difficult to allow an audience into a film studio. Mm. So they found a financially struggling studio called General Service Studios in Hollywood. And the owner was eager to accommodate the Desilu company and allowed them, with financial backing from CBS, to renovate two of his studios so that they could accommodate a live studio audience and be in compliance with local fire laws. Okay. Another component to filming the show came when it was decided to use three 35-millimeter film cameras to simultaneously film the show. The process lent itself to I Love Lucy production as it eliminated the problem of requiring an audience to view and react to a scene three or four times in order for all necessary shots to be filmed. Multiple cameras would also allow scenes to be performed in sequence like a play would be, which was unusual at the time for a filmed series. Retakes were rare and dialogue mistakes were often played off for the sake of continuity. I Love Lucy's pioneering use of the three cameras led to it becoming the standard technique for the production of most sitcoms filmed in front of an audience that survives to this day. Wow. 
Single camera setups remained for the technique of choice for sitcoms that did not use audiences. And we still have those like The Office and Parks and Rec that are Mm -hmm. single camera comedies. This led to an unexpected benefit for Desilu during the series second season when it was discovered that Lucy was pregnant for the second time. Not being able to fulfill the show's 39 episode commitment. That's another thing. I cannot believe how many episodes they did in a year. Right. They decided to rebroadcast popular episodes of the series first season to give Lucy the necessary rest she needed after she gave birth, effectively allowing fewer episodes to be filmed that season. Unexpectedly, the rebroadcast proved to be ratings winners and gave birth to the the rerun. Well, all right. So once they were on board, then they had to cast the Mertzes. This proved problematic. So 64-year-old William Frawley, who was a seasoned vaudevillian and movie character actor with nearly 100 film credits to his name, was a long shot to play Fred Mertz on paper. They originally had wanted Fred and Ethel to be wealthy. Um, They owned the building um, and really sort of both of them be mentors to Lucy and Ricky. Mm. Um, So he, William Frawley called Lucy and asked her if there was a role for him in the new show. They knew each other briefly from her days at RKO and so she suggested him to both Desi Arnaz and to CBS. The network objected to the idea of using him because he was a big drinker, oh. which was well known in Hollywood. And they were afraid that uh, his commitment to a live show would suffer if he came in drunk. Sure, sure. So Desi Arnaz really took a liking to William Frawley and lobbied hard for him to have the role. And he even. Uh, had the writers rewrite the role to make Fred less financially successful and more curmudgeonly to fit William Frawley's persona. (laughs) So CBS finally agreed only after Desi contractually bound William Frawley to complete sobriety during the production of the show. Okay. And reportedly told the actor that if he ever appeared on set more than once in an intoxicated state, he would be fired. All right. I know. Not once during Lucy's nine seasons did Frawley, did Frawley's drinking ever interfere with his performance. Aww. And over time, Desi became one of his few close friends. Aww. The Ethel Mertz character also took some time to pin down uh, because they couldn't find anyone to play the role. Mary Wicks, who we all know from Sister Act, uh, was a longtime friend. Uh, she was offered the role, but she declined because she didn't want uh, working with Lucy to strain her friendship with Lucy. Oh, wow. Okay. So Vivian Vance became a consideration uh, on the recommendation of I Love Lucy director Mark Daniels. He had worked with her in New York on Broadway in the early 40s. And Vivian Vance uh, had already been a successful stage star Uh performing on Broadway for nearly 20 years in a variety of plays. And then she really relocated to Hollywood in the late forties and had two films to her credit. Um, so not a lot, but in 1951, she was performing in a play called the voice of the turtle in La Jolla. So Desi Arnaz and Jess Oppenheimer went to see her in the play and they hired her on the spot. Mm-hmm. She was reluctant 
about giving up her film and stage work for a television show. Uh, but she was convinced by Mark Daniels, the director, that it would be the big break that her career needed. Lucy, however, had some misgivings about hiring her mm-hmm. um, because Vivian was younger than the original concept of Ethel. And uh, she really wanted someone older. Uh, but then once they met, she decided um, that they would go with her. And so they ended up dressing her in frumpier clothing, clothing to sort of tone down her attractiveness. Mm. Uh, Lucy and Viv's relationship during the series early beginnings was lukewarm at best, uh, but eventually realizing that Vivian Vance posed no threat, uh, Lucy began to warm up to her and then uh, they eventually um, became great friends that lasted through the rest of their lives. Mm. In 1954, Vivian Vance became the first actress to win an Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actress. Oh, wow. I know. And uh, after I Love Lucy was finished, uh, Lucy went on to ask Vivian Vance to co-star in her two subsequent series, The Lucy Show and uh, Here's Lucy after that. Now, here's the interesting part, and I'm almost done. Vivian Vance and William Frawley... Uh, their off-screen relationship was less successful. Mm. They did not get along at all. Ooh, the tea! This is the tea. In spite of their animosity towards one another, they were always professional and exhibited exceptional chemistry while performing on the show. William Frawley derisively described Vivian Vance's appearance as, quote, a sack of doorknobs. End oh my, quote. What a dick. And it was reported that Vivian Vance, who was 22 years younger than him, was not really keen on the idea that her character was married to a man who was old enough to be her father. Their adversarial relationship lasted the entire run of the show. Wow. In 1957, I Love Lucy, when it was retailored to the hour-long shows, um, the Mertzes were still a part of it. But because they were the shows were aired less frequently, they tended to rely a lot on sort of big name guest stars. And so the two Mertz characters, uh, their roles became somewhat diminished. Mm. So in an effort to placate them, um, Desi Arnaz suggested that they spin them off into their own series called The Mertzes. Seeing a lucrative opportunity and the chance to start his own show, William Frawley was enthused. But Vivian Vance, however, declined for a number of reasons. The biggest factor is that she hated his guts. Good for um, her. Fuck that yeah. guy. Uh, and she felt like if they could barely work together on an ensemble show, right. it would be much less likely that they could work together on their own series. Yeah, that's insanity. Seriously. And good for her for not just doing a money grab. Yeah. She also felt that their characters would suffer without the Ricardos to play off of. 100%. Yeah, it would be like the Ropers. Yeah, 100%. Um, And by that point, she was tired of playing Ethel Mertz, and she wanted to have a chance to be more glamorous. Um, And so that was next. And then uh, William Frawley's resentment of her intensified after she declined to do the spinoff. And then the two never talked to each other outside of their lines that they had with each other. Wow. 
Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I can't imagine working with someone that long who just can't stand, can't who you're stand. married to on the show. Yeah. You're, that is your scene partner always. Yes. So crazy. And you'd never know. They play very well off one another. No, yeah, you would never know. Um, in 1962, Lucy began a six-year run with The Lucy Show, followed immediately in 1968 by six more years on a third sitcom, Here's Lucy. Uh, both The Lucy Show and Here's Lucy included Vivian Vance as recurring characters named Viv, uh, because she was tired of being recognized on the street and called Ethel. Hmm. Um, and then in 1986, Lucy tried another sitcom called Life with Lucy. The series debuted on ABC to solid ratings, but quickly declined and was canceled after eight episodes. It was not good. Mm. So that, in a painfully large nutshell, is the history of I Love Lucy and all of the contributions it has made to That's the entertainment crazy. world. That is nuts. So the 64 thousand dollar question (laughs) so just so you all know uh because you know suze has a very checkered past not even checkered she just does not like lucy (laughs) we're adversaries (laughs) (laughs) so i so this week i curated a list of eight episodes across the series of i love Mm -hmm. lucy Mm -hmm. for her to indulge in this week and uh a lot of the most famous ones. I also really wanted to sort of give an arc of uh, important things that happened in the series so that you would know, like Mm -hmm. Lucy is pregnant. Mm -hmm. Ricky has the job opportunity in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So what did you think? Meh. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't, it did not. I didn't like it. Oh, so I feel like I feel like I need to to clarify, okay? Because believe it or not, people get really angry with me about this, and it's mostly dudes. Um, I actually had to block someone on Facebook. This misogynist piece of shit. He was angry with me for not liking her because I owed so much to her because I. Uh, I'm a comedic actress. Now, listen, here's, here's the deal. I respect her. I know that she's talented. I know that she's funny. I know that she's a trailblazer. That does not mean that I have to think as a woman that she's funny. And I don't, I don't think she's funny. Do I think she's talented? Yes, but she's not my cup of tea. Um, And I get defensive about it because men seem to really care and get mad at me for not liking her. Um, Now, and I've also noticed, like, if other men don't like her, it's not a big deal. But me as a comedic actress, well, I just have to like her. And if I don't like her, I'm stupid. And um, obviously, I don't know her and she's dead. But I would think that she would agree that... uh, just because I have a uterus doesn't mean I have to like her because she had one too. It's just stupid. And so I get defensive about it because people are like, ah, ah, oh, you don't like I'm like, no, I just don't think she's funny. I'm sorry. I still think that without her, a lot of stuff obviously wouldn't have happened. 
but yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't laugh. Not even a little bit. Not, not at all. Not at all. No. That's crazy. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Here's why. And this isn't, this doesn't really have to do with her per se as an actress or a comedian. I don't, I hate, and we've talked about this probably every episode. I don't like the, the comedy from misunderstandings and I don't like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't rely real heavily on that, but it does rely on it to some extent. And I just don't get into that comedy. Also, it needs to be said, the Mertzes are fucking assholes. They're mm-hmm. assholes. No, they're terrible friends. They're fu- when she okay. See now, now you're gonna have me go off on a tangent. She says to Ethel, "I haven't told Ricky that I'm pregnant." This is her husband, the father of her child. Now listen, men, listen to me. I guarantee you, you are not the first person who found out you were having a baby. Your wife was first. Your girlfriend, your significant, your female significant other was first. Her best friend, sister, or mother was second. So just get on board with that, okay? That being said, Lucy says to Ethel, don't tell anybody. I haven't told the father of the baby yet. And what does Ethel do? What does Ethel do? She goes and tells Fred. Then they show up at their house. Poor Lucy has not had a chance to tell Ricky yet. And they interrupt. They were assholes. I could not stand them as characters. They drove me absolutely insane. Anyway, I'm sorry. How did you like it? <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was, I so enjoyed it. I just laughed and laughed. It was, I used to watch this all the time when I was younger because it was on all the time. Okay. Um, and so I haven't seen it in a very long time. And so it was really nice to revisit it for me. I just think that just like the episodes that I, chose were of course the vitamin of vegemin um oh, okay no okay i'm sorry i chuckled a little bit at that that was <laughs> but that was another thing <laughs> i'm so sorry go ahead go ahead no no no, no. go ahead my problem with that is so you're watching it and, and the guy goes oh it has alcohol in it well you know exactly what's going to happen which is fine but here's how I'm thinking. This guy makes her do it over and over and over and over and over again. He doesn't know she's going to get drunk. He doesn't know that this is a problem. He's a fucking idiot who doesn't realize that making her have more and more and more of this is going to get her drunk. That's where my mind goes. And maybe I, I, I honestly, I want to let everyone know, please trust, believe, and understand. I went in this with an open mind. I actually thought, you know what? It's going to change my mind. I'm going to love this and I'm going to watch every episode. I am ready for this. Let's do this. And it didn't. I really wanted it to, and it did not. So I'm not shitting on it just to shit on it. But that kind of thing, like you didn't know she was going to get drunk. That's stupid. That ir- that's irritating to me. Um, anyway, go ahead. It wasn't though the director who, cause it was the other guy who was like 23% alcohol. Who was yeah. Not so maybe director. he didn't know. Also it's a sitcom from 1951. I just wanted to point that out. So know, probably not a lot of realism. I know. I know. <laughs> um, the other thing that bothered me a great deal was, Oh, let's hear uh, Ricky sing again. 
That was the only thing that bothered me. And I did not remember that at all. And it would go on for minutes and minutes. And that was the thing. It went, it's like, did you have to pick the longest song in your arsenal every time? And yet every time they're different, why is this happening? Stop it. And so to me, it just screamed of, I want people to know that I can sing. So we're going to shoehorn a song in here so that I think that's 100% what that was. And I think she was so intent on giving him work that it was, I think it was both of those things working in conjunction with one another. Um, But let me, okay, let me tell you what I did like. Let me tell you what I did like. I liked that she wasn't a pushover idiot. You know, there for the most part, the relationship was played very sweetly. Um, You could tell that she was very smart. There were times that she was conniving. She was her own woman. She had her own ideas. And in that time, that was a big fucking deal. Yes. And also one thing I noticed being an adult watching this is that their relationship was not one of jealousy. Um, like when they were in Italy and she was looking at that magazine and she's like, what do you think of this? And he's like, ah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, you. And then yeah. when they were in Hollywood and she kissed William Holden and it was no big deal at all. Um, so I really like that. It felt like a very yeah, mature. I really, yes. I really like that too. They, their relationship is very sweet. They were very much partners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, their relationship wasn't played, like you said, for jealousy, either romantically or even career wise or, you know, so I did, I did really like and appreciate that. I also liked, um, I forgot which episode it was when they get, when Lucy gives Fred the, uh, rent money and he has to go take it and hide it, which fuck (laughs) off piece of shit. But what I loved was because Ethel's like, oh, yeah. And Lucy's like, what are you doing? And she's like, Ugh. Uh, Fred doesn't like me to know where the money is. And Lucy gets justifiably angry. And she's like, well, tell me that you've found out where this hiding place is. And Ethel's like, of course I have. And Lucy said, well, how long have you known? Oh, about 24 years. <laughs> that is so my parents marriage it's not even funny like let the idiot think that he's getting away with something when i have known for 24 fucking and he's never moved the hiding spot because he thinks i'm stupid and haven't figured it out yet so there were those little things i did appreciate it for the show it was i did appreciate it i did not dislike it as much as i thought but it didn't awaken a love in me Okay, well, that's fair enough. I do need to comment my very favorite episode is Mm -hmm. one that I gave you because when you picked her, I knew that I was going to have to force you to watch this episode, Okay, which is, depending on where you're looking, either called L.A. at last or Hollywood at last. Right. That William Holden stuff is, to me, so goddamn funny. When they're at the Brown Derby, all of that Brown Derby stuff with the spaghetti and Uh Ethel gets the scissors and then he's staring at her um, and then with the fake nose and then she lights it on fire. Oh, my God. It's and plus Joe is like, what is she wearing? When Ricky comes home, she's in the hotel. She's got that like dress on, but she's wearing pants under it. Uh I was like, I don't know, but I love that. You know what dress I liked? Uh that for some reason screamed very modern to me. Like for some reason, this dress made me feel like she was breaking rules. And I don't know why it was a very modest dress. And I don't know which episode it was, but 
it was the episode where the, that I just talked about where Ethel was like, I've known for 24 years. It was like this. I can't even describe it. It was just an A-line dress, cute little collar, little short sleeves. But the way there was like this, it wasn't ruching, but like different pieces in the front. I can't, I'm not explaining it well. Anyway, I liked it. it. Well, that's because I'm describing it terribly. <laughs> so and she really was just gorgeous. Like her skin, just right? alabaster. Yeah. Just so gorgeous. And I also need to just that Harpo Mark stuff is just yes. so great. All yeah. of it is so great. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, and here's the thing too with Lucille, with Lucia Ball, and people will think I'm crazy. I also just, especially that Three's Company thing, that retrospective. Mm-hmm. That she, I just got a vibe from her that she was a bitch. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but I just did. I don't know why. Hmm. I just got a vibe, and I never got over the vibe. But I, I do uh, appreciate her more. Um, That's good. That's the good. show is more dear than I thought, but it just didn't make me laugh. I didn't hate it. I didn't want to rip my hair out. Good. I'll take that as a win. It was very dear. I loved their relationship. Yeah, I loved, I thought it was so sweet at the end of the Lucy is Pregnant episode when he was like going around the club. I thought that was really sweet, trying to figure out who was pregnant. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And so, yeah, so I, I appreciated it. I didn't hate it. Maybe I'll give it another go, but I didn't laugh. And I've always appreciated her for what she's done. And I recognized her talent. She just wasn't my cup of tea, her type of comedy. Fair. But I'm glad that I'm glad that we've changed minds today, even just a fraction. Just a fraction. And that's sometimes all you can ask. I had listen, Joan Rivers will always be on my shit list. Nothing changes for Joan Rivers. She's a bitch. Well, Lucille Ball, I can appreciate more. Good. I had lunch with friend of the podcast Gretchen today. And I said, I had lunch with Lucille Ball today. And I said, I said to her, if Susie hated I Love Lucy, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> but Another it's all right. friendship I'll, down the drain. <laughs> I will take it. I also just, I want to talk about real quick, the very last episode that I had you watch, which Little Ricky learns to play the drums. Always to this day, I still think often of Fred, 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 Fred. <laughs> Uh, oh, and the scraping of the toast also just the scraping of the toast and the eggs and her yep. foot in the-, <laughs> in the garbage can. Yep. Yeah. Uh, shit. What the hell is going to say? Oh, Lily wants to play drums. I asked her. Yeah. Ooh, she wants wow. to play I was like, really? Good luck with that. <laughs> Fuck me. Boom. 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 And boom, that was boom, the thing. I was like, does he not know any other beat? And like, you know, <laughs> Desi is just like, oh, he's so talented. Ricky is, oh, he's so talented. I was like, he's literally just taking a stick and beating it against me. That's not, <laughs> it, it's just a toddler beating something. And um, that little boy was so cute. Little Ricky. So cute. Uh, adorable. My mother used to dress my brother up as little Ricky Ricardo. Oh, really? Yeah, I think maybe I might have a picture here. There's a little picture of him in a little coat and a little fedora. And it's just, I'll send it to you later. I don't have it in this pile right here. But yeah, she used to dress him like little Ricky Ricardo. If you find it, we can can put it on Insta. Yeah, we'll put it on the Instas. Well, that's good. I am, I'm pleased. I'm going to take today. Take take us a win, honey. I'm going to take the W today. 
take it. And uh, and I'm pleased. I'm glad we finally did it. I'm counting it as a success, and I'm I'm happy. I'm- yeah, I think that I dug my heels in because I never, like I said, I never had a problem. I just didn't think she was funny. But when I would say she's not funny and people would get angry, well, then I just doubled down. I remember the very first time that I found out that you did not like Lucille Ball and you told me at the time that you felt like when you watched I Love Lucy that you felt like they were always yelling at each other. And that's how Yeah, I don't I, know where I got that. Okay. But that's how I feel about the honeymooners. I cannot watch the honeymooners oh, yeah, for that no. exact same reason. No. I feel like no. they're just all screaming at each other. But watching this, it does take because Joe watched the last four of them with me last night. And he said that it took him a couple episodes to really get into the swing of yeah. the rhythms of the show. You know what I think it is? And I probably didn't watch enough. This is probably where that came from is when you're, when you think about the time that the show takes place and you think about their real life marriage and you think about television at that time in general, men women dynamics and how shows are today i think when you start an episode and you see where things going you expect them to react certain ways and so you're tensing up for when he's about to yell at her or you're tensing up for when he's about to call her stupid or something like that and so sometimes you don't even realize that they didn't do it because you were so (laughs) ready for them to do it Uh uh-huh um, and so I think maybe that's what it was. And I think that's why I appreciated that that never happened. That's like, awesome. yes, there were times he got angry at her, but I got angry at her too. Like, you can't just listen to what he says. Like, I know he's kind of being a dick about it, but like, he's got his reasons and no, he's not communicating well, but see now, see now you've gone and fucked it up. Um, <laughs> and I think that's probably what my because even even like fifth episode in i was still i would still get like oh god he's gonna and i'm like no no he's not he's always gonna gonna yell at her (laughs) right like honest again like oh god it's 1950 he's gonna beat this crap no he's not no he's fucking not and that's what's so great too is that i mean this show is 70 years old that is fucking nuts isn't that crazy that's crazy while there are a lot of times where the tropes that they do now are just played out and things that you're like, Oh, I've seen this a million times. Um, But then there are those moments that where you expect that something is going to happen and it doesn't, which is so great. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And the more I talk about it, the more I like it. I, I, I do. When I was watching it, I was like, I can understand why people loved it. And I can understand why people would love it today. So I have the understanding. I just don't share the sentiment. That's fair. So. That's fair. I'll there you go. We'll take it. We'll take well, this it. This was lovely. It. I feel very emboldened by today's conversation. Okay. Well, great. It was very nice. I'm very happy. Um, I stand by the fact that the Mercers are assholes. Sorry. I disagree, but we agree <laughs> to disagree. But maybe it's because I don't like, because I didn't like him. I was like, he's a dick. Her. He's God my least damn. favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have always loved Ethel. Has always been. Oh, but, Ethel. Yeah. Um, they probably won't ever do a version of that, huh? They probably won't touch that with a ten foot pole. Oh, and versions, version things. Yes. I, no, I would. No, probably not. Um, but we do need to also just say that this Friday, uh, 
next Friday, sorry, the Friday after this episode drops, uh, being the Ricardos will be available on Amazon Prime, the All Aaron right. Sorkin film. So we'll have to watch that and talk and about report. that at a later date. Oh, totally unrelated to anything we've just talked about. I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, right. And it was amazing. Yeah, I need to see it. I don't want to hear anything it was about so, it. It was so good. Except go go watch it. it. See it. It's amazing. I loved it. Okay, that's it. Oh, no. <laughs> one more thing. Um, Adam Pascal is in Hawkeye, not as a major, not as a major part. Oh. But they do Rogers the musical in the first episode, and it's actually pretty funny. And Adam Pascal is in Rogers the musical as I don't know who. He's just Adam Pascal in a suit. I don't know who he's supposed to be playing. <laughs> and he actually does the singing voice of Captain America. Oh, nice. So there's some little trivia for no one because no one cared about that. Uh, but I was watching it. And I went, ah, Pascal. Pete's like, oh, you don't know him. I'm like, oh, all right. Um, so anyway, all right. That's 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 it. That's everything. Uh, well, there's one more thing. What? We have a wee pod next week. Oh, shit. We sure do. I don't know what it is. All right. So I'll let you know, and it'll be a surprise to the fans, to our vast. <laughs> the fans. That's hysterical. The, the vast plethora of fans. Because <laughs> uh, I haven't picked it yet. All right. Well, on that note. On that note. Uh, send uh, us an email, threefunnyladies at gmail.com. Uh, look us up on the Instagrams, three funny ladies podcast on the Instagrams. You can slide into our DMS or send us an email or no dick pics, please. Those are, those well, are old. Okay. You know what? You know what? I forgot. I'm not the only one who runs this uh, Instagram. Runs it. I don't do shit even when I'm supposed to. So running it is, you know what? Send the dick pics, but tasteful, tasteful, dick tasteful pics. dick pics, tasteful, like in a little tuxedo or something. <laughs> you could put a little bow tie around the ball sack. That's classy. That, would be a, that, that, that right there, that's fucking classy. And I will swipe right. Okay. I want to see your. Okay. Well, this is going off the rails. So I'm I'm going to go. So see you later. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.